And like Roy Jones said, I said, y'all must have forgot. Y'all must have forgot. Y queremos Palestina. Libre y libre y libre y viva, viva Palestina. Civil war has been quite fruitless. It's a people defending themselves against a fascist government. Now the revolution has got to be perfect. It's got to be flawless. Well, that isn't my criteria. My Amin TMK here on the EMP uh, podcast on the Public Pulse News Network, along with Kita DeMussel and Little Tanky That Could, here in December of 2021. Yes, 2022 is on the way. Uh, it will be the second year of 2020. 2020. Hope your whole fucking year is spectacular. The era Two. of the pandemic. This is like when the winter is here, and now it's time for like kind of a little more extra existential dread because it's like you have more time to contemplate shit because you're not out in your backyard barbecuing and having a good time. So it's like I just wanted to get back into the like sad Arthur moment where it's like, yeah, shit is turned up. I had to get new pants yesterday. Husky pants. <laughs> uh, I guess last week. Like, we went into the Marvel situation. I felt like that was something we really wanted to talk about. And, you know, I think sometimes, like, we get into this mode where we're like, okay, we have this new format that we really like with doing the podcast. Let's do it every week. But, you know, sometimes I feel like we just got to speak on some things, you know? Like, some things just require a little bit longer of a conversation just because there's so many, like, little nuances in there and there's so many contexts that we have to provide. I'm just saying I want to dive in today. What are the biggest sort of conversations that are being had in like the world of geopolitics and like what is an important, what are important things to know about like what's happening? One of the major flashpoints is happening is, uh, for those of y'all that are not aware, there are 90,000 Russian troops amassed at the extent, uh, to the extent of the uh, Russian uh, boundaries pressed mostly against what uh we call ukraine ukraine is a ukraine russia is a weird thing it's kind of like china tibet you know if you ask the chinese the tibet uh plateau has always been part of china if you ask the tibetans it's like no we were independent ukraine and russia is kind of the same thing i mean motherfucking stalin you know what i'm saying and lenin Stalin is from Georgia, but like, uh, you know, all of them spent tons of time in, in the fucking Ukraine. The Ukraine was part of the Soviet Union. I mean, it's only for maybe one generation not, you know, since like the 90s, Ukraine has been its own thing. So let's let so great points and great conversations. I'm sorry, I just kind of threw you in there. But yeah, yeah. Um, I think so. Like we talking about, you know, Russia's uh, and, and the Ukraine, right? Like, right. So there's troops. Can you maybe discuss a little bit about, like, how NATO plays a part in that particular conflict? Right. So uh, for those of y'all that are not Cold War babies, you know what I'm saying, uh, or that grew up past that era, for most of the 20th century, the United States and Russia, at that time the Soviet Union, were existential adversaries locked in this Cold War where, like, this shit could go hot at any moment, Right. And the whole point of the Cold War was something called nuclear deterrence, right? So the United States built up all their nuclear missiles. Russia built up all their nuclear missiles. And the whole shit was, well, we'll never really go to war because I have so many missiles. You could never hit all my shit. And so, like, if you hit me, I'll hit you. We all die. No one wins. 
and it was called Mutually Assured Destruction. Well, there are cheat codes. Missile technology has gotten a lot fucking better and a lot fucking faster, I might add. So the closer you are to your enemy to be able to launch, the better you fucking are. You know what I'm saying? So, like, Russia has this very real fear that NATO wants to press literally up against its borders so that they no longer have the capacity of making a strike or defending against a strike. A strike coming from the United States, you're going to see that shit on satellites. You know, you got anywhere between 15 minutes and an hour to figure out what the fuck you want to do. Something coming literally from your boundary, like, I mean, this shit can be, you might have maybe five minutes. I mean, I feel like the world is sort of always at war. It's just sort of in a different way. It's like warfare is always happening, but maybe, like, there's not troops on the ground. Yeah, well, let me put it in context for the average American, right, to make it make sense. Because most of the places that we go to war with are so far away that we don't really have to think about war happening here. We can think about maybe acts of terrorism happening here, which is terrifying and not fucking great, right? But it's very fucking different when this shit is, like, next door. So to give you a context, imagine if, for some reason, Canada or Mexico was in some type of potential talks for mutual defense assistance from China, you know what I'm saying? Where, like, Chinese weapon systems were, like, dead ass on the border with America, right? That's how Russia feels, except it's worse because China's military is not as powerful as the United States military. You know what I'm saying? So, like, Russia has to worry about the literal world's most powerful. Because when you talk NATO, you're really talking America. So is it just kind of similar to uh, Korea, would you say? Like, with the the militarization of the border there? It's different because in Korea, North Korea and South Korea both want there to be one thing. Korea. You know what I'm saying? So that's a unification. But but the difference is you're talking about essentially the strength of equals. North Korea, South Korea, without the United States, it's about a dead-ass even fight. No one really knows how it would go. Everyone knows how it would go if Russia and the Ukraine got into it. So that there's this other counterpoint that's happening, and it is the unification of Taiwan and China, which is maybe even more slam dunk. Like, if China really wanted to do them, they probably would do them. Can we do a little bit more context, maybe surrounding uh, the conversation of China and Taiwan? Like, a little bit of historical context. Okay, so you have to go back to World War II, right? Before World War II, there was not a Taiwan, there was not a China. There was China. And it was run by... Uh, essentially General Chiang Kai-shek, he was a warlord. Look up the warlord era of China if you're ever interested because it wasn't that long ago and it's very interesting, right? Uh, where he was the most powerful warlord and he pretty much controlled all of China. The problem is he was incredibly corrupt, uh, was in the pocket of the West, the United States and Britain, and was a notorious narco kingpin. Like probably the most powerful opium kingpin maybe the world has ever known. She's on weed. So when China's trying to knock off this thing that they call the 100 years of shame, right, where they were bullied by all of these other powers, you know, uh, the Japanese, which we're going to come right to, the uh, the British, the Americans, right, they saw Chiang Kai-shek as kind of part of that problem because, like, you are the one that pushed all this opium into China. So there was a civil war with the communists led by Mao Zedong and General Chiang Kai-shek. 
The Americans and the British, the West, they wanted Chiang Kai-shek to win, but he didn't. He was defeated. Uh, and and the, the, the irony is what pushed it to a head at one time, General Chiang Kai-shek and Mao were working together against the Japanese who had invaded the entire area from Korea all the way down to the fucking Philippines. Down no to permanent Vietnam. allies. Only no permanent, permanent allies. Only permanent interest. So once that army was defeated so many times, I'm talking about General Chiang Kai-shek's by the Japanese, the Chinese people were like, yeah, what the fuck is the reason why you're in power? You can't even protect us. So they kind of went over more to the Chinese. This created the Chinese Civil War, which, long story short, General Chiang Kai-shek got his fucking ass kicked, and all of those people, his defeated army, they defeated, they they retreated to Taiwan. You know what I'm saying? Y'all don't love us! So that war never ended in many ways like the Korean War never ended. So let's bring it to 2021 and currently where it stands. Taiwan essentially rules itself as an autonomous territory, but it is not a nation. If they ever declared straight-up nationhood, China would invade within the fucking hour. And this is a part of, like, sort of the balancing game. So we talked a little bit about this. I wanted to introduce it, maybe. And, you know, just tell me if it makes sense here. We've been playing—I had never played this game. Of course, I heard about it. Risk. Risk. Okay? So we've been playing Risk, and, you know, we talk about having—you can only have so many troops. Now, no matter how big you are, there literally is a one—the first rule, I feel like, is— you can only have so many troops. You can only have so many troops. And you have a situation now, okay, where this is happening within, you know, like the the China and, and Taiwan situation we just talked about. Now mm-hmm. you're talking about Ukraine and you're talking about Russia. Now there are other countries, yes? Now I wanted to ask a little bit maybe right. about Iran. So, right. So there is Am another... I going too fast or no, is no, this... No, no, no. Okay. That was a great... That, so they were, they were one of the... Um, the other one I was talking about, ancillary kind of uh, other conflicts that are going on. So there are some conflicts that are happening between kind of proxy wars, actually not kind of, absolutely proxy wars between Iran and the Saudis. This is kind of like what America and Russia did in the Cold War. There's like this Cold War with the Muslims right now. You know what I'm saying? And so on one side, you have the Sunnis, which are essentially led by the House of Saud, uh, which run, I mean, an absolute monarchy, by the way, uh, maybe one of the last ones in the fucking world, in Saudi Arabia, right? Versus the Shia, which are all uh, mostly um, headquartered in Iran. Now, you have Shia all over the Middle East, as you know. There are a huge Shia population in Iraq, in Lebanon, in Bahrain. Uh, it's a good amount in Qatar. But the other largest population center is Yemen. Now, Yemen shares a border with the Saudis, right? And so, like, for them, it's that same thing we're talking about. This shit is too fucking close. Right, right, right. So, right, now you have the group there, the the Houthis. The Houthis. Okay, which uh, are Shia. They are Shia, and because they are Shia, there is the assumption that there will be a proclivity to uh, ally with the, the Iranian government. Which is unsubstantiated. Unsubstantiated. I mean, right. I mean, you know, how about this? If somebody knows all that shit, if you was to ask for it, all you would get is some blacked out paper. Right. So which brings us to sort of the bit, the number one humanitarian crisis currently in the world right now, which is Yemen, Yemen. which yet, which is currently at what you said, like a proxy war, It's a proxy war with with Iran, with Iran. You have Saudi troops over there. You have 
unsubstantiated claims that at the very least there's Iranian technology over there. But like, so like that's a big thing that could happen. And, and, and it becomes in its own way, right, the United States and Israel as silent partners to the House of Saud because they have their own reasons for wanting to see Iran destabilized. And they're able to engage in these things without having to commit troops personally, which is great because, as you said, it's all risk. There's only so many troops. There's only so many things you can involve yourself in. You know what I'm saying? There's only so many people you can fight at once without overextending yourself. And let me ask you, Muscle, because I know I'm I'm here, too. I'm, I'm just letting the talent do what it does. Sometimes you do just got to hand the ball to LeBron and let LeBron do what he does. You know, is is A, do you have, like, any follow-ups uh, on, on what LT was talking about? And do you have any follow-up questions for LeBron slash LT? <laughs> well, I think what Tanky is really kind of bringing everything together is it also explains why we should care about geopolitics because with a globalized economy and everything being interconnected, a lot of times, it, and also how much... United States in particular, but Western influences creep into other countries. Like, it's not an accident that American citizens don't understand what war is like in other countries, that we haven't experienced it here on the ground. We don't have to live with it every day. That's been very, very intentional from the U.S. government since the Civil War. And they were like, oh, man, our everything got, gets fucked up, right? Uh, in terms of the economy, in terms of agriculture and transportation and other relationships, but also how hypocritical the United States is when it comes to geopolitics, where it says it has like a very strong opinion about what's happening in Iran, what's happening in China uh, and Taiwan, while also uh, on the surface, particularly because since Reagan, the United States stance has been Taiwan is not independent. We do agree that they're of China's policy of there being one China. However, the United States continues to sell Taiwan very weapons. Very advanced military Very advanced weapons. military weapons, but for their quote unquote self-defense. However, it was like, OK, but if you do believe in one in China's policy of there being one China, then you would never sell weapons to Taiwan. You would sell them to China to give to Taiwan. Um, not to get into the like those patriarchal threads, too, but. The hypocrisy that kind of threads through that and even talking about Korea, how the United States absolutely is like, yeah, we support you guys being one Korea and yet absolutely prevents that in all of its policies by sanctioning North Korea and ensuring or trying to ensure that it doesn't get access to weapons, but also things that they need like medicine, like food, like, you know, supplies and things like that and how the United States uh, and it goes back to even what we talk about with the book that we all recommend highly, you know, Confessions of an Economic, economic Hitman. Hitman. Yeah, Get that. <laughs> pick it up. It's your... You gotta read it, man. Just read a little bit every day. Yeah, yeah. Because those influences are more than just military might when we're talking about geopolitics. So again, right, I don't want to frame everything under the American eye, but I feel like it's very useful sometimes for Americans to have absolute understanding. So when we're talking about something like Taiwan and the implication of their quasi-autonomy in the United States selling them weapons, imagine if, say, North Korea, for example, was trading weapon technology with the Sioux Nation. 
semi-autonomous, the Lakota nation. Semi-autonomous, theoretically your own nation, you know, under treaty, right? There would be huge implications. I mean, like, no, there'd be war. I mean, and those issues come up, too, because when we talk about all of these natural disasters that happened on U.S. soil, Cuba tried to provide humanitarian aid and the United States rejected that because Katrina. of its sanctions. Yeah. So did, so did Venezuela. May, OK, that's a good point. So I have a list here. I'd like to read that if that's coolsies. Is that coolsies? Yeah. You're damn coolsies. right it yeah. is. Yeah, damn <laughs> right it is. So I'm on Wikipedia, so I just want you to take that with a grain of salt. Well, that's not accurate, okay? Uh, okay. It yeah. is, no, it is accurate. It does not I... meet the intellectual rigor <laughs> <laughs> of the academy. I felt terribly superior and awfully great. Uh, yeah, right, 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 right. Academia. You know, I love academia. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about the United States and the sanctions that they have on other countries. I don't want to talk about some of the countries. So, uh, would you like to explain? Someone um, should explain what sanctions are. Well, sanctions versus embargo, because they are different. Um, and I think that, like, that distinction is important. They're both political tools that the United States and Western powers use liberally in order to deny people goods. But they different. are different. Yeah, Do they are different. some so specifics? Yes. So s- trade sanctions means that specific types of transactions are prohibited. So, for example, the United States would say that it's sanctioning North Korea so that it doesn't sell arms or develop nuclear armaments, uh, whereas embargoes are really like wholesale, we don't, it, it represents a complete shutdown of any trade between countries because the United States will use sanctions and be like, well, we only blocked a couple stuff. We don't want to block your food. However, I think the way the United States wields it, it ends up being really important goods. And so it ends up being all trade, which is an embargo. So what I would like to talk about then is what are the enforcement mechanisms, right? Because this is what you have to consider. This is why many people see sanctions or embargoes as acts of war. You go to the United Nations or unilaterally and you determine that other nations that break these rules that you set for for whatever they are. Maybe Congress said nobody can do business with these people, even if these people are like European. You know what I'm saying? So then how do you enforce that the same way you did in the 19th century? You essentially use your Navy to blockade anything coming in and out. So when you're talking about something that is enforced by a military blockade, this is why these these acts are often considered acts of war. So like when you hear about, you know, oh, this Japanese tanker got boarded, right? That's what that means. That means a military somewhere pulled your ass the fuck over. They put their big guns on your ship and they said, prepare to be boarded. We come in, we look at everything that's in your manifold, you know, and the shit that we don't like manifest. I'm sorry. The shit that we don't like, we take. You know what I'm saying? Got you. Got you. By any other, if regular people did it, you would call it piracy. The concept of sanctioning other countries didn't happen until the United Nations was founded at the end of World War II. And then it became a political weapon. So because I, I feel like when we talk about geopolitics and history on these kinds of, of we go way, way back, it's easy to say, oh, it's always been this way. And this is another example of, no, it's not always been this way. But now it's absolutely a political capitalist tool that helps cripple other countries. And and ensures that they don't realize their own sovereignty. I think it's important to acknowledge that there's something about sanctions and embargoes that are inherent and inherently paternalistic. It's like someone standing outside of your house 
and checking everything that you bring in and everything that you bring out. So you would definitely say it's an act of violence. It's an act of violence. Because I feel this happens with uh, with like people on fat people where it's, you know what? You don't get to control what other people eat, but that's what people try to do. Even when we're talking about like the medical care that you should get. These are autonomous nations. Other nations are determining what other nations can and cannot do. And like, there's always cultural bias. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you tend to think about uh, Europeans and European nations and Western nations tend to not utilize sanctioned regimes against other European nations unless they're unfriendly ones, like Russia. You know what I'm saying? Mostly sanctions and embargoes are things that European nations put on non-white nations. I, and I think we're going to see that in the list that TMK is about to share with All right. us. Carry I on. just want to, again, this is from Wikipedia, okay? The crack team sent me this earlier today. And I just want to read some. And at any time y'all want to jump in, jump in. Okay. I know y'all kind of mentioned like embargoes versus uh, sanctions. But use both of those terms loosely. Okay, great. Um, But so this is sort of how Wikipedia is framing it. They're saying basically an embargo is a sanction against the entire country. And sanctions are like kind of sanctions against persons that are in that country. Like well, that's kind of how they frame are more it. specific goods, though. Goods. Yeah, okay. specific goods that are saying, like, we you won't sell arms as sanctions. You won't get access to medicine as sanctions. Saying we won't trade with you or allow other countries to trade with you, embargo. So I'll just say these are class tier one yeah. sanctions. Uh, countries here, the aforementioned Iran, okay? Near total economic embargo on all ict- economic activities since 1979. And this is how serious this is. There was a representative from a Chinese company called Huawei, right, that was literally put on house arrest in Canada for several years. We talked about this a couple of, uh, maybe a year or two ago in the podcast. Because the United States has sanctions against Iran. They took a fucking Chinese national that does not live in the United States, that lives in fucking China, that happened to be in Canada, and literally held them in house arrest for years because the nation of China traded cellular not 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 any kind of other thing other than a fucking cell phone cellular technology with iran <laughs> and you know so that's to let you know like sort of how strict and like yeah okay so bam next in class tier a i'm gonna say class a okay north korea severe Oh, no. Yeah, I was going to say something. (laughs) Man, it's it's severe sanctions on North Korea because it's the same thing with Iran, right? Uh, That the United States lifted the sanctions in 1981, brought them back in 1987. Um, And and they brought them back in 1987, tightened them in 2010s for the same reason that they put sanctions on North Korea, which is you're trying to develop nuclear what we believe are nuclear weapons. We could say that it could be um, clean, free energy, uh, but that the United States says, hey, once you start trying to produce any nuclear program, that we won't have any diplomatic relationships with you. But then the United States also does this thing where it's like, well, we're also imposing sanctions on you for your human rights abuses. And I'm going to let that sit for a second, because when we talk about the history of the United States and their human rights abuses and then imposing on another country, like, well, you treat people bad. Uh, Hello, black guy in America, black guy in America. Yeah. Anytime America's like, 
Wealth. You have human rights violations. I'll never love again. Right. And how we have to examine that, because like Tanky said, hmm, it's interesting, this list of sanctions and embargoes. And always at the what they try to lead with is, well, it's because of human rights abuses. Black guy in America. Black guy in America. Next in class A would be Syria. Okay. Reasons cited including the aforementioned poor human rights record. Hmm. Okay. And a quote unquote, okay, this is Wikipedia, state sponsor of terrorism. They've had no dip- diplomatic relations since 2012. That's what Wikipedia is saying. Next, Cuba. Reasons cited for the embargo include do you want to guess? Human rights violations. Bing, 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 bing. You see how nebulous this shit is? Do you see how nebulous it is? Because it's like, wait a second. Not to say all of these countries are innocent of human rights abuses, but, but it's really weird. law enforcement in the United States of America can kill a black person. extrajudicially murdering their citizens. And yet, if anybody tried to put an embargo or sanctions on the U.S. For human rights? For human rights, the United Nations would be like, The United like, States is oh, the leader in human rights. Uh, <laughs> oh, because what's next on the list? We just talked about Cuba and the United States' second favorite villain. Hey. Yes. Venezuela. There we go. And what's the reason? Well, b- uh, besides their horrible human rights record, mm. uh, they the links with the illegal drug trade. We wouldn't have that here in America. Do we have sanctions against Colombia? Hey, wait a second. Also, the third option, too. High levels of state corruption and electoral rigging is why we have sanctions on Venezuela. Even though you have an American president who is still alive who said that the level of uh, voter misconduct in Venezuela pales in comparison to the American process. Do you think... That the gerrymandering exists in Venezuela. Probably doesn't even have a fucking word for it. I just want to say this because it's a joke. It's a funny joke, I think. And I've been wanting to say it. Um, But basically, you know, like when you look at the gerrymandering or you look at the districts, they look like the Rorschach tests. You know what I'm saying? And like, how how did I get there? But um, chink. Fuck y'all. I think the audience thought it was really funny. I hear them (laughs) laughing already. Exactly. I hear you laughing in your heart. Okay, so that was class A. So this is going to go class B, all right? So this is some sanctions. Belarus, current persons uh, in the U.S. This is how they phrase a lot of these, okay? Current persons the U.S. government believes to be undermining democratic processes or institutions in Belarus. That is to say, conflicting with our national and international interests. Burundi. Persons who the U.S. claims threaten peace, security, or stability in Burundi. Okay? That's all the language they give. Central African Republic. Same same thing. China. Uh, China here. Certain persons the U.S. government believe may be committing genocide in we, uh, of Uyghurs in Yanjing. Is there any... Do we need to comment on that at all? Black people in America are treated worse than Uyghurs in China. I, I, mark my, I put my fucking stamp on that shit. Stop saying Uyghurs. Don't say Uyghur to me no fucking more. Not you, but people in my fucking DMs and shit. Don't fucking say Uyghur to me until you say the United States treatment of black people. Don't say that. Well, that shit don't. is dead to me. Yeah, that's a fact. Democratic uh, Republic of Congo. Certain persons in the U.S. government believe they are, you know, they, they just 
There's people in there stirring up trouble. It's literally basically what this language is. Hong Kong, persons the U.S. government believes undermine Hong Kong's autonomy. Hong Kong is not an autonomous nation. It is a province of fucking China. Iraq, specific individuals and entities associated with the former Saddam Hussein regime. Oh, you're talking about the Ba'ath Party, which ruled the entire Middle East for the past, I don't know, 70, 80 fucking years. They're members of they a gotta political go. party. No, they must go. Which is like, because this is so, ne- we talk about nebulous wording, right? Where it's, oh, it's specific individuals, but it's persons in Iraq who are undermining efforts to promote economic reconstruction and political reform in Iraq or make it more difficult for humanitarian workers to operate in Iraq. Like, that's so fucking vague and also includes the United States, who is absolutely interfering with this country. That's correct. Okay. <laughs> We're there to fix it. Okay. Let's keep going because uh, there's it, it's quite a list. Yeah, just run through the list, okay. man. We'll be here all, right. all day, man. That's Lebanon. Lebanon. Okay. You know, I got a soft spot for Lebanon. I love Lebanese people, man. Libya. Okay. Mali. Myanmar. Nicaragua. Uh, I'm sorry. That's Myanmar. Myanmar. Uh, Nicaragua. Russia. Somalia. South Sudan. Turkey. Turkey is a NATO member, by the way, guys. Well, after the purchase of Russian-made S-400 air defense system, the USA said they didn't like that. I don't like that shit. No, you're They bought a car from another fucking country. They don't like that. Man. You can't have it. It's really not a car, guys. I understand it's a very, very (laughs) advanced, okay, anti-missile system. It's an air defense system. And mind you, the U.S. is selling weapons to Taiwan so it can protect itself. And yet Russia could also make the same argument here. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. United States has got to put a stop to this. Well, that's not good for fucking Boeing stocks, okay? And that means that they're bad. And I want to mention this, too, because we just talked about this. Yemen is on the list. And that goes back to the humanitarian crisis that is really happening there is could not happen without the help of the United States. Is that a fact or not? That's a fact. Okay, so there's a couple more. These are tier. I'm just going to say they're group C. Group C. All right. Afghanistan, the quote unquote, I guess, former Afghanistan, Islamic uh, Emirate. Comoros. I don't know if I've ever heard of that place. Comoros. You want to peep this? You're talking about uh, do, maybe do, do, maybe do. I'm saying it wrong. I've never heard oh, of that. I've before. never heard of this nation. Okay, we'll have to do it. We'll Come get the crack team do some more okay. on that because wow. we pride ourselves on doing research. Fail on my part. Okay, Etria. Etria. Uh, mm-hmm. Etria. Uh, yeah, um, tier three of trafficking. Tra- like human yeah, that's trafficking. That, that's that Cape of Africa part. You know what I'm saying? But, so it's but, a lot of pirate shit so, that happen over there. Oh, I see. There's no human trafficking in the United States, though. So no. that's good. Yeah, Never. Uh, Lesotho, which I know is uh, yeah. in South uh, Southern Africa. Right, right. Um, they don't even give a list. They're just like fuck y'all. Y'all don't love us. Well, they they were at war for a long time with uh, the white people that ran South Africa, so they got to be bad. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Okay. Why did you fight white people? Don't touch them new niggas over there. Okay, uh, two more, two more. Papua New Guinea. Yeah. Same thing. Uh, you know, whatever. But I I do know. Uh, Papua New Guinea is uh, basically being controlled by Exxon at this point. They basically right. sold all. They got all kind of uh, oil, rare earth minerals. You know how it is. Well, the, the wealthiest curse. man for a long time was the Sheikh of Brunei, and it's all in that area. Mm. You know what I'm saying? The oil deposits in that in that fucking ocean are incredible. Yeah, the last one is uh, Tur- 
Turkmenistan, 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 Turkmenistan. Yeah, one of the stands. Yeah, what they're gonna say is they probably have like a Islamic fundamentalist over there. You know, I look, man, that's the step, man. You know, that's... well, yeah, they're talking about tier three in human trafficking, right? You know, what's um, what's it, Giselle Maxwell? In that uh, Ghislaine, 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 you know, I don't, I don't care about learning these white people names. You talking about them? I'll say less. Yeah. Um, uh, this has been our. I want to just call this like geopolitics one on one, right? Like this was like a little one on one. Would you say? Yeah, I, I really like this one. This was a good idea. Yeah, just to let y'all know. Oh, so what we we never did do the over and unders, right? Because all right, so I don't want to do that, and we can wrap it up. I know we uh. All right, so what do you think is the over-under? Which one pops off faster, if at all, right? Do if I had to believe... choose right now, if I had to choose right now, it looks like Russia and Ukraine, right? Like, I feel like that, okay. I feel like that is my choice because I feel like that's one of the things that could happen and the world not just go to, sh- you know, like like it not be like, and in, to me, not to say that it's low stakes. Of course, that's not what I mean to say at all. It's incredible right. stakes. But the stakes feel a little lower than some of the other conflicts. I think uh, I think I would tend to agree with uh, I mean, and that I think that Ukraine is in a more nebulous situation because on top of Ukraine is Belarus, which is a, a Russian ally uh, and to the bottom and uh, to the east is Russia. With 90,000 troops, theoretically, you have more troops aligned against them if you look at whatever kind of resistance the Ukrainians can put up and the United, you know, the EU uh, with NATO. But the thing is, and I think Russia has this in their praxis, Europe has their own fucking problems. I don't think that you're going to be able to make a Spaniard go to the Ukraine to die for Ukrainian independence. I don't think that... You can make some motherfucker from Luxembourg like go there and die. I don't think right, right. Think it just doesn't their, add up. They got their own fucking problems, right? And, and Russia right now feels like the EU doesn't have an appetite for war, uh, and the Americans don't have the capacity to. America is not willing to go to war, and and maybe they're right because you know even I remember um, when the Gulf War first happened, right? Russia used that time to roll into all those little. Uh, who was it? It was uh, Lithuania and all those little states at the northern Baltic. You know, they knocked them down. And I'm like, all right, well, uh, you know, we went and free Kuwait. When is this going to happen? And Russia's like, it's not going to happen because they're not going to fuck with us on this level. Right. If it would have been the 80s and communism was the great scare still, then maybe. But like now with the shift, most of the military is more on poise for defending uh, Asia. They see Asia as the place where the, where conflict is, for whatever reason, um, preferred. And I think it makes China much more cautious uh, in their Taiwan policy, uh, even though of their own volition, they probably could, could roll through Taiwan in less than a week. I think China going to Taiwan looks like the United States going to Iraq. I think it happens really quick, really easy, and maybe even Japan couldn't be a deterrent. You know what I'm saying? I think it's only the uncertainty as to what, how far the United States is willing to go over this Taiwan shit. I think this is really an important conversation that we're having. I, I think maybe this is kind of like a part one. I feel like we got mm-hmm. a lot of the big stuff out of the way. Maybe we can do a part two where we sort of talk about where the rest of the risk pieces are. You know what uh, I'm saying? Right. Because I feel like we got the main ones out, right? Like, yeah. So I feel like next time maybe we can go into like, here's the minor 
not minor. Of course, none of this is minor. I only mean in terms of the scales yeah, I mean, that, that are enormous. Potential fucking World War Three fodder. Exactly, and uh, the loss of life and things like that. You know, we, I'm, you know, anti-war. You know, I mean, that's to be all Doctor Strange on a scale hitherto unimagined. The loss <laughs> exactly. of life on a scale hitherto unimagined. Right, right, right. So uh, maybe we can do that. Uh, I wanted to, um, yeah, just say Public Pulse News on. Instagram, public we, pulse. We got y'all on this shit. Yeah, yeah. Now we working. We we really do. We really we got the crack team on it too. Uh, public pulse um news on the TikTok. We on a TikTok. We cool like the young yeah, kids. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yo, is a is our YouTube up? YouTube. Our YouTube is up. Our YouTube Boom. is up. Come get that shit. Yeah, public Keep up pulse all media. All tankies that you missed. Exactly. Public pulse media. Um, you can follow us on YouTube. Subscribe. Uh, and also the Patreon, uh, the Patreon. Please I, do. I keep doing this where I forget to shout out our our Patreons, but I actually do have them uh, this time. So you can hit us up at uh, patreon.com uh, slash public pulse. Okay, bam. Elijah Hayward, Bridget McGiffin, Dennis Amadeus, Suzette Tav, and Lauren Bullock. We just want to give a shout out to Man. Our, our our patrons. And you can you can be a patron too. And uh, there's all kind of perks, you know what I'm saying? Just follow us and hit us up. Um, yeah, I mean TMK, the motherfucking little tanky that cook, I'm motherfucking muscle. And we out. Geopolitics 101, baby. Learn something. I had to get new pants yesterday. Husky pants. Y'all don't love us. Y'all don't love us. Well, let it be known then. Whoa, whoa, whoa. United States has got to put a stop to this. Well, I-